Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for coming to our last in-person service of the year. And throughout this month, you know, we've been in our Advent series, and we've been lighting a traditional Advent wreath each week. Um, Darby's done it most days because I'm really dangerous with fire, but I'm going to do it today. And the first week, we lit the candle of hope, and then the candle of peace was last week. And today, we're lighting the candle of joy. Now, the uh, joy candle, as you notice, is the only candle that's a different color. It's pink rather than purple, because in church tradition, pink is the color of joy. The other candles are purple to represent the royalty of Jesus as the long-awaited king. The joy candle is sometimes called the shepherd's candle, because the traditional passage to read with this story is the story of the shepherds receiving the good news that Jesus had finally come. And this candle is meant to remind us of the joy that the world experienced at the birth of Jesus, as well as the joy that the faithful have in reaching the midway point of Advent. We're almost to Jesus. He's the central white candle in the middle. Um, but it's also about the anticipated joy at the return of Jesus to rule as king of the world. We're getting closer and closer to Jesus. Both the celebration of Jesus at Christmas and his physical eternal arrival as king someday soon. So what is joy? Um, I grew up in churches that said happiness was about what happens to you, but joy was a deep sense of being okay, even if what happens to you is unpleasant. And I don't think that's a bad definition, but it really doesn't help me get to the root of what joy is or how to find it, how to cultivate it. It's a little like saying, hey, fish are wet. Well, it's technically true. If you never saw a fish before, or if you were like, oh, okay, what does a fish look like? How? It's not a clear enough definition. It's a little bit too simplistic to actually help us get anywhere. Modern psychology just updated their clinical definition of joy in 2022, and I think this new definition is helpful. In a paper by Dr. Jeffrey Arnett, he said, joy is defined as an intense feeling of heightened positive emotion as the consequence of a perfect fit between, between our identity and the moment we are experience, experiencing. Now, I know that sounds kind of gibberish sounding, but have you ever met a clinical psychologist? They all kind of sound like gibberish sometimes. I'm kidding. No slam against clinical psychology. But what he's saying is we stand at the intersection of who we are and where we fit in the universe, and when we stand in that place, the result is joy. It's this intense, positive emotion that comes when we're at the intersection of who we are and where we fit in the universe. Or in other words, there are some moments in life where you go, I am glad that I am here. I am glad that I am me. And I am glad that in all the random, seeming chaos of life, I could be a part of this. And that feeling that wells up inside of you in moments like that is Joy, And I believe those moments sustain you for life. Those are the moments that make life worth living. Your soul feeds off those moments even when they are long past. Just for a moment, think about some of those moments in your own life. Maybe it was a wedding day or the birth of a child. Maybe it was a really great concert or a party or hanging out with your family at the holidays. Maybe it's when people finally agreed to play board games with you and they came and played board games for hours and hours. Oh, that's just me. Sorry. Maybe it was a majestic scene of nature. Um, sorry, I had to get that in. Darby's decided she's over board games. She's not playing anymore, and I'm like, I'm really bitter about it. It's robbing me of joy. You were glad you were, oh, you were glad you were there in those moments. Like, think back to those moments. You were happy you were there. You were glad that you were you. You were glad that you were there and got to experience it as you with your eyes and your ears and your nose and your hands. 
You embodied that moment, and in that moment, you felt like you were the right person in the right place at the right time. Everything just clicked. That's the clinical definition of joy. And I'm not sharing this talk as someone like, hey, I'm an expert on joy. I'm going to tell you how to get it. I'm going to tell you how to keep it. I'm going to tell you all about it because I am just the most joyful person. I think most of you have known me for a while now, and probably the first word to describe me probably wouldn't be joy. Um, most people would describe my personality as melancholy or maybe brooding. Like Darby says a lot of times, she goes, why are you so angry? Your face looks so angry. And I was like, I was actually thinking about the Trinity and how can it be this and this and this? And she's like, oh, she's like, I thought you were angry, but it's just like my thinking face seems angry. You know, um, I often feel like thinking too much gets in the way of joy. And so please hear me. This is not me like telling you I've got joy all figured out and I'm going to give you the three steps to joy because I've got it all figured out. I want to experience and understand joy. I, I can look back on my life and recognize moments of joy, and I want more of that. And so hopefully this helps me and you this morning as we talk about joy. But I certainly do not have it all figured out. I am certainly not the expert on joy. I've met some people who always seem overflowing with joy, and that's, that's just not me. So today we're talking about the arrival of Jesus, how it resulted in joy for those who first heard the news of his arrival, and how it should still generate joy in our lives today, and how his promised return will bring joy to the world forever. So let's look at this passage of scripture together and see if we can find out some things about joy. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Just a side note, my yearly PSA, Jesus wasn't born in December. Why? Because the shepherds were out in the field. They never went out during the rainy, wet winter season in Palestine. These, these shepherds were probably here in the spring or in the summer. Jesus is a spring baby or a summer baby, not a winter baby. Okay, PSA over. Keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Or appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, that's the, the anointed, the long awaited King, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left and gone into heaven, that's literally the skies in Greek, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had, told, what had been told them about the pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Um, notice first how fear is the antithesis of joy. They were terrified, but the angel said, do not be afraid. Joy casts out fear. Um, did you know don't be afraid is the most common command in the Bible? Uh, which to me seems to imply that the most common expression of man's sin and brokenness is fear. The most common command is like, you better stop that over drinking and getting drunk and partying no more. No, the biggest command is don't be afraid. 
I think the starting point of God's love is casting out our fear. Now, if you've been here very long, you've probably heard me say this. I say this all the time. God does not command things to control us. He commands things to funnel us towards joy. He commands things not to be a bully or control freak, but to help us to avoid the things that are joy killers and drive us towards the things that bring real lasting joy. God commands things not to be petty, but to funnel us away from fear and funnel us toward joy. Now, Christians and churches rail against unbridled sexuality and lying and greed and whatever the hot-button topic of politics is today. But I think we should, perhaps instead, talk about how God wants us to not be afraid and wants to lead us towards joy. Maybe that's a better starting point. Maybe if we started with the fact that God wants us to find joy, what all of us want to spend our lives pursuing, it would be a different starting point to the whole Christian conversation. That we tell them, hey, God says not to do these things, not because he's a control freak, not because he's outdated and outlandish, but because he doesn't want your life to be robbed of joy. He doesn't want you to pursue things that will rob you of joy instead of fulfilling you. Perhaps we should speak more about God's reasoning behind his commands instead of just saying God settles, says it, that settles it, let's do it. His commands not to fear and his commands to be full of joy, I think, are a better starting point for people to lay a foundation of faith. I think joy is the catalyst of true life change, not fear or guilt or shame. Those things never really seem to change people. They usually just put on a mask and pretend that they've changed until they fall back out into the same pattern. Notice next the angel's message. The angel, this is simply the Greek word messenger, says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Notice the angels are saying that they are bringing the good news. That's uh, gospel. And literally, what is the gospel that they say that they're bringing? In the town of David, the Messiah, the long-awaited king has come. Their good news is not, hey, you need to pray a prayer. You need to join a church. Hey, you need to do this, this, or this. It's not saying, hey, you could go to heaven or hell. The good news they bring is the rightful king of the world is coming to set all wrongs right. Side with him and his kingdom, and your joy will be full. That's the good news that the angels brought to the shepherd. Remember, we call our Christmas series each year an Advent series. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, the arrival of someone special or as one commentator poetically put it, Jesus is already on his way. Advent is both looking back at the anticipation of Jesus' first coming and looking forward to his future return as rightful king of the world. Advent is remembering the joy at his first coming and eagerly anticipating his joyous return to reign forever. That's the good news of the angels, that's the good news of the disciples, and that's the good news that we've been tasked with taking to our world. Next, I want us to notice what Mary does with all this. If you look at the end of the passage we read, it says Mary treasured all this in her heart, and she pondered on it. This moment brought her joy, and she stockpiled it in her soul. We store up joy in our hearts. It's the, it's the fuel for our lives. Um, earlier this week, Darby and I hugged Skye, and she looked at us, paused for a moment, and said, My family. She'd never said that before. I, like, joy flooded my soul at that moment. I thought about that moment over and over and over and over again in the day since. I've treasured that moment, and I'm going to treasure that moment probably for the rest of my life. Um, when we lost her, and she was in for 45 days, and then we got the call that we were to come over to this Starbucks in Philadelphia and get her back, 
and we were waiting outside of the Starbucks for the text to come in, and then we got the text, and we came in, and we were preparing ourselves. Like, she hasn't seen us for 45 days. She was only with us 21 days. Like, she might not remember us, and that's okay. We can reestablish the relationship. It's going to be okay. And we walked in, and the social worker was holding her, and she immediately saw, her, saw us, and this smile came on her face, and she started reaching for us, and her legs started kicking, and she was like, it's them, it's them. And we picked her up, and she was just so happy and tickled, and she, she just had this big smile on her face. She remembered us. She was glad we were back together, and joy flooded my heart. I, I think about those moments. I think about those moments a lot. My child, which had been lost, had been found. I store up that joyful moment as a treasure in my soul, and you have moments like that too. That's what joy does. It's a treasure deep inside of us that keeps us going when the days are dark and cold and long and lonely. When I was a kid, I read a book called Frederick by Leo Linoli. Anybody? Frederick? Frederick the Mouth? No. Okay. I got to order some copies of this. Um, it's all about these field mouse getting ready for winter and they're all storing up grains and berries and they live in this stone wall And they're like winter is coming long before Game of Thrones They were saying it winter is coming these little mice and Frederick keeps staring at the Sun and looking at the flowers and writing poetry and like sniffing smells and looking at beautiful sunsets and the other mice are slightly annoyed and they're like, Frederick, get to work, you know? We, we need to give, store up more food. But then they're in the stone wall, and the winter and the snows come, and the food is all gone, and the winter rages on, and they're starting to get desperate. Like, they've run out of food, and the winter's never going to end. And Frederick goes, I will now keep us warm with stories of the spring sun and flowers. He says, when you thought I was doing nothing, I was storing up bright images for cold, dark days. That's exactly what joy is in your life. Joy is the spark deep inside that keeps us going when all the lights go out. C.S. Lewis in his book, Surprised by Joy, about how Christianity, he kept rejecting it and he didn't want it and somehow it just kept sneaking up on him. Uh, he says this, no one would ever choose pleasure over joy, but joy is never in our power and pleasure often is. Joy bursts into our lives when we are going about doing the good at hand and we're not trying to manipulate things and times in order to force joy to arrive. In other words, joy surprises us. It bursts into our ordinary lives and it makes the mundane magical. We cannot coerce it or manufacture it. We cannot buy it. We can only receive it and then choose to cultivate the memory of stored light against the long dark of life. One of the commands in scripture is to rejoice. It actually comes up hundreds of times. Or in other words, rejoice literally means to rejoy again. We rejoice, we remember our joys. And this remembering of joy, bringing it to our minds and dwelling on it, seemed to be an important instruction to the early churches. To the church at Philippi, Paul says in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, just to reinforce it, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. To the churches in Thessalonica and 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's the will of God for your life? Remember your joys. To the church in Rome, in Romans 12, 12, Paul again says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 
I think to the church here in Haverford, Paul would say the same thing 2,000 years later. It's equally important to rejoice, to remember our past joys, to anticipate our future joys in this life and in the internal reign of Jesus yet to come. Um, we're in the season right now where the nights are long and the days are short. Winter depression in Philly is real. People, when I first moved up here, people were like, seasonal depression, just wait for it. And I'm like, nah, I'm fine. I'm brooding already. I don't get depressed. I'm just, you know, brooding all the time. Um, but it's like, it gets depressing when I go to work and it's dark and I come home and like, Sky gets up from her nap and it's dark. And I'm like, what is happening to my life? It feels like it's always night. A recent study said U.S. Men, men in the United States are more depressed at this moment than they've ever been before in the history of the nation as far as they can track and count things. We need joy. We need reasons to say, I am glad that I am me. I am glad that I am here. I'm glad that I'm experiencing this right now. We need new moments of joy, and we need to remember to rejoice over past moments of joy. So how do you cultivate joy? I think joy can exist in the ordinary moments of every day when we slow down and we see the wondrous all around us. We can't engineer a moment of joy, but we can search in the right places. I think joy finds us in ordinary places of everyday life when we stop to look and listen. After all, the messages or the message that prophets, priests, and kings had been waiting on for hundreds of years came to ordinary shepherds doing ordinary things on an ordinary day. Avoid self-destructive things that steal your joy. Remember your past joys and do the ordinary things as if they were extraordinary, and joy seems to find you. As C.S. Lewis put it, joy comes to those who do the good that is in their hand to do. Um, there's an episode of Bluey, which has become my favorite theological masterpiece, uh, it's a, it's a children's show, but I mean, I'm like, some of these are a lot better than any sermon I ever heard. Like, these are, these are good episodes. Surprisingly good writing, unexpectedly deep themes. Check out Bluey. I don't care if you've got a toddler or not. Watch Bluey. Um, there's this episode called Born Yesterday, and it starts when the children ask their dad what it means when he says, hey, I'm not going to fall for that trick. I wasn't born yesterday. They're like, born yesterday? What does that mean? He explains a phrase, and then they ask him, can you pretend like you were born yesterday? And for the rest of the episode, he marvels at the ordinary things he usually overlooks. I think we have a picture of him. There he is. There he is marveling at a leaf. For the rest of the episode, he just keeps marveling at ordinary things. By the end of the episode, the game has turned into him having this profound moment of joy, just looking at the yard he sees every day, but never really stopped to see. In the words of speaker and author Beth Moore, practice savoring, pause over anything lovely or fragrant or noteworthy or intriguing or mysterious, anything at all, stop and find joy in it. I think we're missing so many joys that God has tucked away in the corners of our lives because we're doing too much, we're moving too fast, we're chasing the wrong things. At least I know I am. I believe there is more joy tucked into our world than we realize. It's always a surprise, but like any hidden treasure, you find more when you look for them. It is the unfathomable methods of God that he uses the ordinary moments to extraordinarily change us forever. To quote my other favorite theologian, Gandalf, from Lord of the Rings, he says, Saruman believes it's only great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I have found it is the small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay, small acts of kindness and love. 
I think joy keeps the darkness at bay in our life, in our world. Joy is an act of defiance in an enemy-controlled world, world. Joy is really punk rock. It's not, like, joy is not what our culture is feeding us. It's angst, anxiety, and apathy. Joy is a rebellious act in a world ruled by dark spiritual forces that want humanity to despair. Joy is a glimpse of the coming kingdom and the coming king. Advent is an anticipation of the happy ending that is coming. The happy end of a story brings joy, even if there were dark parts in the middle. Darby does this thing in December. Well, it really starts probably around October, where she watches Christmas movies endlessly. Like, every night, it's like six Christmas movies in a row. I'm like, how have they made this many Christmas movies? But apparently, they... Because it's all the same plot. Yeah, yeah, Hallmark just takes the same plot, new actors. Sometimes it's the same actors in the same plot. But anyways, Darby loves to watch Christmas movies. They always have happy endings. Even if there were sad, unpleasant moments leading up to it. Even if she, like, the, the, the girl from the big city who went back to the small town, you know. Even if in the middle she went back to the big city. By the ending, it's so good it works backwards to flavor how you see the entire story. At the beginning of each year, Darby and I choose a word of the year. And uh, in 2023, back in January of this year, she chose the word joy for 2023. Um, she chose that word because we had decided that we weren't going to pursue our adoption anymore. It had been over four years, and uh, we were tired. We were wore out. We were, we were so sick of showing our profile to people and then being rejected and rejected and rejected, paying tens of thousands of dollars and having nothing to show for it. And we said, hey, when our paperwork needs renewed in March, we're not going to renew it. And we both decided that we were done. And she chose the word joy for the year because she said she wanted it to be like James 1, 2, where it says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whether you face trouble of any kind because you know your father doesn't waste it. He uses it to build your faith and instill in you an unwavering confidence in his love. And she says, I'm going to choose the word joy because I want to count it all joy because it's going to be, we're essentially saying, this is it. You know, we've tried fertility treatments. We've lost a child on our own. Like, we can't have children. We're never going to be parents. We've got to somehow count it joy. Our word of the year is going to be joy. Of course, then in January, I had an accident uh, right out here on Lancaster. Fell off my Vespa, got all beat up, um, had a bad concussion. Wasn't the same for most of the year. Um, and then, of course, we met this little beautiful girl in February, and then we were like, oh my gosh, joy was the word of the year, and then we lost her, and we were like, how can we have any joy at all? And then she came back to us. This has been the hardest year of our lives, but it's also been a year of profound joy, because joy is the spark in the dark. Some of our saddest, deepest, grief-stricken moments have been in this year, but some of our brightest and most hopeful moments have been in this year, too. G.K. Chesterton said, Our love of fictional stories with happy endings isn't some idealist fantasy. It is tapping into the belief and the joy that our story will have a happy ending in Jesus. If you're in an unpleasant, unhappy, desperate, despairing chapter, know this. The end of the story is happy in Jesus. 
Advent is a celebration and an anticipation of Jesus being the happy ending to the human story that opens a brand new chapter of joy forever. Advent is a celebration of the extraordinary, the divine, colliding with the ordinary, humanity. And that's what joy is, something supernatural, a momentary glimpse of how things should be and how things will be when Jesus is king. When joy will not just be a moment, when joy will not just be a memory, when joy will be life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into our world. Not to punish us or destroy us or be like, yeah, you guys have got it all wrong, like fire and brimstone. Instead, you came as a child, humble, quiet, learning, loving, walking among us, teaching us to live in love like you did, and promising that one day you would set all wrongs right. God, it's that good story that's the light in the dark when our lives seem dark, when our world seems dark, when there seems no hope. We believe that there is a better world coming. We work and love and serve and give because we believe there's a better world coming. We're investing in the future when joy is not just a moment or a memory, when it is life. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. Give us your joy.